Hello and welcome to the Jackcast, your Swansea City podcast. My name is Matt Barocco and I'm joined as ever by Stephen Carroll and Gitto Llewellyn. Evening both. Evening. Evening. Well, this promises to be a cheery podcast this week. Uh, we've had um, a couple of stellar results, uh, one in particular last night, but uh, two fantastic performances as well. And uh, starting to feel a really good time to be a Swans fan, doesn't it? Uh, let's get it straight into it because uh, we followed up what was a bit of a disappointing result against Birmingham with a week off uh, on the training pitch. And we talked last week, Steve, about the importance of uh, coming back strong. And we, I think we all pretty much agreed that Peterborough might be exactly the sort of team that we might want to play against in that situation. And so it turned out. Uh, I want to talk about the game chronologically before I go into the goals. But really speaking, to be chronological, I have to start off with a goal. Because we scored directly from kickoff, of course. 28 passes. Every outfield player touched it. And Peterborough's first touch of the ball was kicking off from conceding. Uh, what a start. Jake Bidwell, 1-0, one, one minute in. Yeah, it, uh, it doesn't get better, really, does it? Um, as you say, I mean, you, you take kick-off. I mean, there can't be many goals that you see where, um, you know, you, you obviously you always see a few goals from kick-off where you, know, you might see even 30 seconds in, you might see a few passes or obviously some sort of defensive mistake and someone gets in, but... I mean, you won't see many where you know there's 28 passes from kickoff, and then the, obviously that that leads to a goal. I mean, it was glorious, really, and it, it set the tone for what was quite possibly one of the most stress-free afternoons I've had following the Swans. It was glorious. We played some wonderful football, and um, yeah, it was actually quite relaxing. And uh, you know, it was quite strange because obviously we're not used to that as Swans fans. We're we're used to a degree of stress, but uh, there was none, was there, on Saturday? He wanted to come out starting quickly. He said that before the game, Gitto, uh, Russell Martin, and uh, as quick a start as you can probably make. And um, Swans didn't ease up, did they? And we carried on going, carried on pushing. It was uh, men against boys, really, wasn't it? And Darren Ferguson admitted as much that the team were completely shaken. And uh, no sooner were we basking in the glory of an early opener, really. But 12 minutes in, Perot doubles it with another very, very clever finish. Um, the man got nine goals at that point then. He's grabbed another last night. But uh, what a signing he's proved to be. Unbelievable. I mean, what I love about Piro, he can be kind of on the fringes of the game for long periods. And, and you don't really think he's getting, you know, that involved in the plays. But, but every time he gets on the ball... He, it's as if he, he's trying to make something happen. You know, every single touch is thought through and, and, and you know, has a plan behind it. And he just kind of, he can be quiet for long periods and suddenly switches on and something happens. He's such an intelligent player. I think we saw that in the in the goal against Peterborough. You know, um, fair play. One, one of the things I really loved about the Swans in that match was that we didn't let Peterborough settle. Peter, Peterborough did not settle at any point in the 90 minutes during that match. And that was because we just didn't let them settle. We kept the ball. And when they got the ball, we put them under pressure. They conceded possession very sloppily. Um, we got it into Piro's feet. And then he gets to the edge of the area. And, you know, you, you're expecting to take another touch, try and, you know, set something up. And he thinks, no, no, there's a little opening there. I'm going to go for it. And he catches out the keeper at the, at the near post. And it's, you know... Um, it's it's a really clever finish and um, and a very accurate finish as well and it's um, you know it it shows his 
finishing qualities, really. He is just, um, and he's a scorer of sort of so many different kinds of goals. You know, we've seen him score ahead of this season. We've seen him score with his left. We've seen him score with his right. We've seen him score inside, outside the box. There isn't anything that you would say is a typical Piru goal. He scores goals, all sorts of goals. Um, he's just, I, I, yeah, I'm quickly falling in love with the guy. I think he's. He's, he's just a, a really, really intelligent striker um, and already looks like uh, one of the best in, in the division in his position. Yeah, it's incredible, Steve. He's just fallen under the radar, hasn't he, from other clubs? I mean, £1 million for a player who's clearly top of this level, the bare, bare minimum top of this level, um, just... In, incorporates everything we're trying to do. We need someone at the top end of the pitch who's able to stick the ball in the back of the net as pretty as everything else is. And he's the answer to Russell Martin's prayers, isn't he? And that goal that Gitto was just talking about there was on his weaker foot. You know, it's so clever, so quick. He just uses instinct, doesn't he? And uh, you, you do find yourself running out the superlatives to describe the man a bit, don't we? Yeah, we do. Um, I mean, it's, it's just this thing of he seems to get this side of goal. He's, there's no fear, is there? He's thinking straight away, right, I'm going to try and get a shot in here and uh, try and add to my goal tally. And I think that's sort of what happened with the, the Peterborough one on the weekend, wasn't it? I mean, he's, he's got that sight. And, you know, for David Cornell, obviously our former goalkeeper was playing for Peterborough. I mean, it's just past him, isn't it, before he's, he's got a chance. But, I mean, Perot has just been something else, really, hasn't he? I mean, he's, he's one of the top strikers in the division, I would have to say. And, it's quite amusing that one of our former directors said he's one of the worst players he'd ever seen before he kicked the ball for us. And, you know, it's proven that at the moment he's one of the best players in the division, you'd, you'd have to say. And, you know, long may it uh, continue. Um, although I must admit, if he carries on in this form, he's not going to be here for that much longer. But, um, yeah, we just got to enjoy it while it lasts. It's, like I say, having a goal scorer can make such a difference to, the, to your team. I mean, I think if we'd had him last year... Um, Things would have probably turned out differently for us, um, but you know we sure now when we're obviously we're, we're far happier with the style of play that we're we're seeing this season, and it's it's going from strength to strength, isn't it? So um, yeah, Piro is uh, he, he could be the find of the season in this division, really, couldn't he? It's what's more um, surprising, if you like it, though. He signed before Russell Martin joined, signed under um, Cooper's reign. Uh, I don't know whether Cooper was integral to his signing or whether it was a club signing but uh, it's someone that Russell Martin was given um, and a lot of the players that perhaps were signed just before haven't really had the sort of impact uh, that they would have hoped like the Kyle Josephs and the Liam Walsh's maybe not had the sort of game time having arrived just before Russell Martin but Joel Piro is exactly the sort of player that Russell Martin would have wanted to sign anyway. You can tell that. Um, absolutely um, fantastic. Um, so it was great to see. I mean, the game, the Peterborough game as well, just carried on domination. I just genuinely thought throughout that first half, it was men against boys. It was a complete domination. And I, I remember turning to Steve at about 35, 38 minutes and saying, this is so one-sided, we need a third. Because you've, I've just seen this play out time and time again, where you just think, this game is over, this game is over, this is an absolute embarrassment. And then a lucky deflection or whatever, and it's 2-1 and nerve set in, and it's a completely different game. Um, thankfully for us, uh, our good play was rewarded, 
and the third did come on the on the on the cusp of half time with uh, Olivier and Cham, another fantastically worked goal. Who Olivier and Cham, who I don't know if we mentioned in the last um, podcast, has a fantastic new song. Um, <laughs> honestly, like good Swansea chant, good new Swansea chants come around so rarely. Like I'll be honest, it's our chants, our new chants. Usually when I hear new chant, I'm like. Oh, that's a bit naff. Like, you know, like it's but this one is actually, you know, one that everybody can join in and, and it's actually very good. Um I yeah, I'll get back to actually talking about football now because uh, and challenge the player as well. He is quality. I mean, he is the kind of player that we have needed for quite some time and the kind of player that you really need in Russell Martin's team because he, he whenever he gets on the ball, he's always looking, he's always getting the ball on the half turn always looking forward and it just he gives you that go forward in, in midfield which we probably we haven't always had over the last few years um Leroy Fair had it you know he he would receive the ball in the half turn and, and go but the problem with Leroy Fair was that you know you never knew what kind of Leroy Fair was going to turn up um Olivier and Cham is just a, a classy operator and um you know he's now got two goals for the season Really good finish, even though it has to be said he was um, given the freedom of the Liberty pitch to to get that finish right. Um, but yeah, coming right before halftime, it just killed the game off. And the only disappointment for the match was that we didn't score more in the second half because 3-0 wasn't really a fair reflection of, of how one-sided that game really was. No, that's right. And slap myself on the wrist for not deal, dealing with this chronologically. But um, games are kind of turned on major moments. And there was a fantastic save from Ben Hamer at 2-0, Steve, um, which could have brought uh, Peterborough back into it and could have told a different story. Um, how impressed have you been since he's joined the, uh, coming to the team uh, at the expense of Steve Bender? Well, you'd have to say, he hasn't really put a foot wrong, has he? I mean, to be fair, he's been commanding from crosses, made a lot of good saves. I think the, the big difference has been... Uh, I still quite like Bender. I still think there's something about him. I think there's just been a general rashness to him at times that has, that has sort of let him down, and that's probably the reason he's, he hasn't been in the team. But, I mean, it's it's a bit more simple, isn't it, with uh, with Hamer? There, there haven't really been the glaring errors as such. I mean, there's there's been the odd shaky moment, which you, you get with every player, don't you? Nobody's perfect. But, I mean, he's, he's probably been the surprise of the season, really, isn't he? Because nobody really thought that he was going to be the, the number one. And, obviously, he was brought in last season just completely because Bender was injured and it was obvious he was going to sit on the bench, wasn't it? And, and the Woodman was going to play. But, I mean, you'd have to say he's, he's done really well, Hamer. He's he's just kept things simple. You can tell there's, there's a good understanding with him now in the back three and there's a lot of trust there. So, yeah, it's it's certainly uh, been a big positive for us. And you'd have to say, obviously, our good run has coincided with him coming into the team as well. So, it's yeah, Hamer probably has been one of our best players overall, you'd have to say. And, um you know, you always need a good goalkeeper. I mean, I've moaned previously about, I think Nordfeld probably was the one that got the most abuse off me, but I mean, it really does make such a big difference, doesn't it? I mean, you can, if you've got a goalkeeper that's that's in form, playing well and taking the pressure off you, then, you know, you're, you're going to win a, a lot more games and you, you quite often you're going to win games that maybe you, you don't deserve to because you've, you've got a goalkeeper in fine form. So he's been very impressive, hasn't he? And um, yeah, it's... Uh, Certainly been something of a, a little bit of a surprise the way of things have turned out, but it's been a, a very pleasant one. Yeah, um, 
Gito, I made a bit of a crude comparison before we started recording uh, with, with Jake Bidwell. I'm going to make another crude comparison here um, with, with Ben Hamer and say that uh, when we signed him, I remember our podcast after we signed him, he was almost a footnote in that podcast about um, talking about his uh, reviews. I think it was Huddersfield fans. Mm. Worst goalkeeper they've ever had. Um, awful. Can't save a shot. Can't catch a cross. Couldn't catch a cold, etc. And we were looking at it going. And I, I do remember our general demeanour was, well, he, he, he's coming as back up to Woodman um, with Bender injured. And none of us were particularly enamoured. But here's my crude comparison. We had that in the Premier League, didn't we, when we signed Fabianski. And I'm not comparing the two, but I'm saying how funny it is that where some fans can give a goalkeeper the nickname that Fabianski had when he joined and and uh, and think, oh, he's not trustworthy, you can't rely on him. And the actual experience we've had, it's completely different. It's it's like these players are blessed when they come down to South Wales. In fairness, Fabianski had 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 been very good for Arsenal in the kind of year or two before joining us, and he, you know, didn't look like the kind of error-prone keeper that he was in his younger days. So, um, yeah, Fabianski wasn't, you know, the, the error-prone um, gaff-tastic keeper that, that his nickname would have you believe by the time he joined us. But Hamers was diff- different, really. You know, he'd, he'd, he he had been shaky at Huddersfield. He had made a lot of mistakes. Um, but the difference was, I think, Huddersfield wasn't a nice club to be at at that time. You know, they were losing a lot of games. They'd had a difficult transition from the Premier League after a, a nightmare second season there. Um, you know, you, you could see it wasn't a place that people enjoyed playing football at. And um, that probably affected him as well. But, you know, I, I didn't think he still had this kind of form in his lock. I remember in his younger days at Charlton, he was a really good, you know, promising keeper. Um, I thought those days were behind him. Um, I thought, yeah, he's fine as a second choice keeper. Probably wouldn't want him, you know, as as your regular starter. And at the start of the season, I, I assumed that we'd try and go with Bender and see, you know, if he was good enough. And um, obviously Bender wasn't ready for the championship and at, at least wasn't ready for the demands that, that we made of, of our goalkeepers. He was making a lot of mistakes, couldn't really be depended upon, had a bit of a crisis of uh, confidence. And then you expect, you want then an experienced backup like Hamer to come in and just kind of settle the nerves a bit. And But that's not easy. You know, it's never easy for a, a second choice backup keeper who hasn't been playing any football to come in and um, and, and do that. Um, but but he has done it. He, he's come in and settled remarkably quickly. And last few games, I think he's he's been absolutely fantastic. He's, he's been pulling off important saves, um, decent from, from crosses, in my opinion. And it's one thing that I noticed in the Coventry game, which we're going to get on to discuss, his delivery is really good. Um, I mean, his, his passing is incredibly accurate. And that was one of the big kind of reasons a lot of people wanted to see Bender in the team was because, you know, they thought his footwork, footwork would be, would suit the new style. But Hamer just seems to get it. You know, he's um, uh, he doesn't take too many risks these days. He's um, accurate, long and short passing. Um, good judgment. It's it's somewhere that he's developed just since breaking into the first team with us. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the great thing about this season is that you've got a lot of players like Hamer, like Kyle Norton, for example, who are pretty unglamorous in the grand scheme of things. 
but they're playing a really important part and they, they, it's important that they get their share of the credit as well. They may not grab the headlines like Patterson or Piru, but they are playing a seriously important role in this team by giving us the solidity and reliability that enables those flare players then to go and, and grab the headlines. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's sort of the importance of that back um, six, if you like, if you include Hamer in, in that setup, in the way we want to play, it starts there. And that's where Russell Martin did say, to be fair, early doors, that when we, people were complaining about our lack of goals and goal threat, he felt it more important to get the back sorted first. And, uh, and we're reaping the rewards. So credit to him and his coaching staff for that. Um, back to the game, Steve. And the second half continued much in the same vein as the first, just without the goals. And um, I thought at the time, obviously, I agree with what Kito said. You know, there were more goals in that game for us. But uh, I did say after the game to um, to my dad on the way home that I thought, well, actually, game management. I know he, he made a few subs in the middle of the second half then, and you know, Olivia and Chan come off, and, and I think uh, Piro come off as well. But um, it was very much a case of the game is won. Yes, we could win the game five or six if we really bust the gut. If we needed to, we probably would have. But um, it was looking ahead because we got the three points in the bag, and I was hoping that those tactical decisions, while they may have cost us a couple of uh, a bit of a hand, more handsome result on the on the face of it, could have stood us into good stead. As it turned out, it did against Coventry in in, in the game we're going to come up to in a bit. But uh, it was still a very well managed second half, wasn't it? And still could have resulted in goals even with the changes. Yeah, I mean it could have. I think Obafemi had um, a couple of decent chances, didn't he? For example, so. You know, when you think of it like that, really, we, if you want to be critical, I mean, we, we probably should have added, added another one at least there. But, um, you know, as you say, I mean, we there was never any danger, was there, of um, of it going wrong? I mean, I did joke to one or two people at half-time. I said, oh, um, you know, this isn't going to be a, a Luton now, is it? Because obviously it'd been so one-sided and you're thinking, well, um, you know, could this go somehow to change uh, and, uh, and us blow it? But... Um, you know, I don't think that was there was ever a realistic chance of that, was there? But um, like I say, we, we we saw the game out really well, and you know, we we could have had more goals. But I mean, at the same time, we have won three nil. We we really can't moan too much, can we? It was um, it was really encouraging, and it's just a shame that Obafemi didn't didn't get one because there were two good chances for him, wasn't it? But in all fairness, I thought the, the goalkeeper did quite well with his saves. He did, he did, and um, yeah, of course, you say Paul Swan there. Uh, Dai Cornell, Gitto, as a as a as a as a final thought on that, really, it was a case of um, get, keeping keeping the players fresh, keep get getting the result in the bag, and as a thought of what uh, Steve was saying, jokingly about it being a reverse of Luton, uh, I feel almost confident that that wouldn't happen to us because, unlike Luton, who'd raced into a three-goal lead. We are so demanding of the ball, 60-70% in some games, uh, to make sure we have all the possession, that when we do take the lead, we can just suffocate teams and, and, and pass around them and through them. And we'll come on to the commentary game in just a second about how perfectly we can do that when it matters most. Yeah, I mean, um, I wouldn't say that, you know, I'd, I'd, after the Luton game, I think I'm always wary now because I'd never thought the Swans would get back into that game, um, but we turned it around. So um, I'm very aware that, 
you know, the second half of a game can be very different to the, to the first. And we saw, you know, even Cardiff managed to overturn the three-goal deficit the other day. Um, so if they can do it, then um, then anybody can do it, really. Um, so, yeah, I would I'd never say that, you know, the, jo- the job is done when you're 3-0 up at halftime. But, you know, we did what you'd want the team to do to see it out. Um, kept up the, um, the, the focus, didn't go hell for leather for any further goals, could have got more, um, probably should have got more. But just um, a very professional one, and um, save um, you know keep keep the batteries full for for Coventry. We we knew that we were going to have a, a much tougher game. Absolutely, and um, those decisions, as we were about to talk about, paid off, Steve. Um, and again, very quick off the marks ones. You know, we scored in the first and the twelfth minute against Peterborough, and the fifth and the thirteenth, or the fifth and the twelfth rather against Coventry and uh, let's get straight into it because once again it was a breathless start in fact Coventry can I say what a breathless game I was absolutely exhausted by the end of it and I didn't move for 95 minutes so absolutely incredible uh, energy levels from both teams but Swans benefited from getting off to a flyer again Steve and the importance of uh, getting that early goal yeah um, absolutely I I don't think any of us saw us um, getting an early goal again, really, did we? But um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a poor header, wasn't it, by the the Coventry defender? It's gone straight to Jamie Patterson. Um, and to be fair, from close range, I mean, he's stuck it pretty much right in the corner, isn't he? Goalkeeper can't do much about it. He's, he's got a reasonable hand to it, but yeah, um, I suppose we, I think we were talking before we come on air, weren't we, about the fact that. We don't tend to score many scrappy goals. We could argue that was a little bit of a scrappy one, really. But, you know, it's, it's nice to see us capitalise on, on some bad defending by the opposition, really. And as you say, I mean, we, we had the dream start on um, on Saturday and last night was similar, really, wasn't it? You, you never expected them to get a goal so early. But, you know, we're, we're absolutely delighted with that, aren't we? Because that's, that's put us in the driving seat early on. Yeah, against his... Um... Boytown Club as well, Gitto, uh, Coventry for Jimmy Pats, and he would have loved that. And I was uh, seeing pictures that his mother was there in the way end last night, so I'm sure she'd have, she's a big, uh, as you can imagine, a huge advocate of his son. And uh, his, mother, his mother, sorry, is an absolute star. By the way, she is just absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Like what, what an absolute star she is, and she seems to be loving it, loving life at the moment. Yeah, absolutely, and she's very vocal on uh, on on social media as well about him and. Uh, Fair play. No, it's a, it's a lovely thing. And um, he would have loved scoring that goal last night. It would have meant more to him than most. And um, again, the benefits of starting strong, starting quick. And Coventry, from the off, were finding it very difficult to deal with the double threat of Olivia and Cham and Ethan Led on that right-hand side. And that's what produced the second goal just 12 minutes in. Um, should have been a penalty. Uh, for a foul on Ethan Led, but it didn't matter in the end, and uh, we were flying Gitto. Yeah, there was a, there was a little element of luck in the build-up, definitely, because I, I think when you look at the replay, Led looks marginally offside. Um, you know, we don't get much luck with referees, but um, but that was one that did go away. But um, I guess they say you know you make your own luck, and and the Swans got a bit of reward for really pushing on after that first goal very could have been would have been very easy after that first goal just to kind of sit back and try and park the bus a little bit and hold on to what you got kind of settle into the game slowly but no we won the ball back and 
look to get forward. It's a brilliant through ball. Led does really well. Should have got a penalty. Bit of luck as well with the finish, um, which takes a huge deflection. Um, but, you know, at that point, I mean, 12, 12 minutes into what you think is going to be a very, very difficult game against, you know, the team which had the best home record in the division before we played them. Uh, and suddenly you 2-0 up after 12 minutes. It was just a ridiculous start. I don't think anybody in the stadium uh, expected, whether they were Coventry fans or Swansea fans. Yeah, and 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 Steve, it was breathless, wasn't it, from, from the first whistle. And at this point, I'm going to give credit to Coventry. I mean, look what happened to Peterborough when they were 2-0 down inside 12 minutes. Coventry rolled their socks up and they gave us a hell of a game, I thought. Um, I thought they were fantastic. I mean, their fans were quite scathing in, on, on, on social media what I saw after the game about their performance. And I thought, if that was them playing crap, I'm really glad we played them when they were crap because I thought they were um, their football was, was, was good. They were really, really um, aggressive in, in their approach. They were so quick to close down. The press was intense. Um, and even right the way to the end, Every other pass seemed to be a through ball. It seemed to cut through the lines. It was, I think they deserved, um, they deserved, certainly deserved to get back into the game. And it was a been disappointing way in which we conceded it um, from a corner. Uh, we've been, over the last couple of years, we've been decent at defending set pieces, Steve. And it wouldn't be the manner of the goal conceded, which would have disappointed Russell Martin the most. Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously corners are, you know, you always like to think you can you can stop goals from corners, don't you? I mean, it's it's not always easy to get them, but yeah, it it, it wasn't the best. I, I didn't think. You know, we were talking about Hamer, and I, I actually thought he was a little bit of a little bit surprising for the. It's almost as if Hamer thought it was going wide. I thought in some ways, and obviously it was, and then it went in. Um, I'm not sure who was um, who was meant to be marking. Uh, I think it was. So I'm literally watching it now. I think it might have been in Cham, was it? I'm not sure. I think, I don't, well, I think it was Bid Dwellerwell. Yeah. It was he, almost he, like he was in between two. He players, was in between, for sure, yeah. So it's hard to tell who exactly is possibly to blame for it, but it was a bit soft, wasn't it? It's frustrating because, as you say, I mean, we we have been good at them over the last couple of years. But to be fair, I think it may have been the Stoke game where we, we weren't very good on them. And I was thinking, oh, God, here we go. But in general, we haven't been bad at defending set pieces. But yes, it was frustrating to concede for a moment, wasn't it? It was. Um, and, and from then on, it was game on, Gitto, wasn't it? And it was uh, a mile a minute. Um, both teams deserve immense amount of credit because I thought there were some of the, the runs deep into the second half were, were breathless. And um, and I want to say, going back to the first half again, another shout out for, um, for Hamer, who made some very smart saves. Uh, one in particular I, I thought was was incredible was uh, when uh, Giorgares, who I had could have put my bloody house on him scoring last night, but uh, was through and went to lob him. And rather than find himself in no man's land, Hema, he rushed out and, and made sure that he gave Giorgares no time at all to shape his body and get the angles right. And in the end, he got um he, he got a hand on to his uh, attempted lob. So made all the difference and that sort of decision making Russell Martin picked out at the end of the game as uh, one of the key reasons for the win. Yeah and and I think against a team like Coventry that's necessary because in fairness you, you know you see Coventry every single game they're looking to play those through balls for the strikers they've got 
Gukeresh and, and Gordon playing up front, who are always looking to make runs. They were they were making constant runs last night. And I think the big disappointment if you're a Coventry fan last night is that sorry, the 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 quality wasn't there in that final ball through to them. You know, they 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 were if they just got one ball right, um, and they, then they could they could have got the equaliser. Um, but they just couldn't quite get nail that final ball. But it, it helped us a lot that Hamer was quick off his line and his judgment was spot on in those situations. But I mean, you said the first half was frantic. I I I was exhausted at halftime and I was just watching it. Um, <laughs> it was just it was the most intense half of football I've seen in a Swans match for God knows how long. I mean, it was frantic. It was high quality. Both teams going at it toe to toe. It was a fantastic advert for the championship. Um, and at halftime, I couldn't have confidently predicted which way the game was going to go. It, you know, Swan, Swans could have gone on to score another two. Coventry could have gone on to score another two. Um, and Coventry, mind you, had been... They, they trailed three times already at home um, this season um, prior to last night's game. And they'd gone on to win all of those. So Coventry know how to come back into games um, after conceding first. Um, but... Um, so yeah, at halftime, I was I was just I didn't have any kind of clue which way the uh, the game was going to go, and um, final score could have been could have been absolutely anything. And and to be honest with you, Steve, that that thought carried on well into the second half as well. If you're thinking 15 minute break now, that the, the coaches will get their uh, their notepads out and they'll they'll obviously make some changes to stop the opposition, whether you're from a comedy perspective or a Swans perspective, stop the opposition from having quite the joy that they were having in the final third. That wasn't to be the case. I mean, the second half again, it was so intense. It was just still running and creating and whilst there were no um clear cut opportunities there was always the threat of a breakaway or a through ball or a one-on-one though they never quite materialized and particularly for coventry who i thought got themselves into some very good positions uh, right up until the 93rd minute um and the defending was resolute from the swans but they were asking so many questions, and it was just as as Gitto said, it was it was so intense. I I felt physically and emotionally exhausted watching it, and uh, I I just can't I cannot to this moment work out how. I don't even know if we deserve to win it. I think probably we edged it on the balance a bit, and I think perhaps we deserved it, but. Coventry deserve immense credit as well, don't they, for the way they approached that game, and uh, you can see why they were unbeaten at home. Yeah, I thought Coventry, to be fair, were a decent side, certainly one of the better ones that we've seen this season. And, and as you say, they, they did have a, a proper goal referee, didn't they? It's just that maybe they, what they were trying to do didn't, didn't quite come off. It certainly wasn't for the lack of trying or them, you know, they weren't accepting the result at all. And it was, like I say, it was a breathless game. It was quite end-to-end, wasn't it, really? And I think everyone that went probably would have you know, enjoyed it because you know it's, it wasn't uh, dull at all. But, yeah, as you say, Coventry... They'll be frustrated, won't they? I think that they they didn't create as many good chances as they as they might have done. The only one I could think of that was a really good one was where there was a corner, wasn't there? And it was chipped to around the penalty spot, and there was a free header that went wide. And you're thinking, well, that that wasn't a bad chance, certainly in terms yeah. of trying to hit the target. But I mean, there wasn't a lot else, was there? We, um, to be fair, we, we managed to sniff most of it out, which is you know extremely encouraging, really. 
yeah, and perhaps a couple of question marks over um, Ryan Bennett in that first half, I think, would be in the right side of the three uh, when Laird is up the pitch. He's left as a kind of covering fullback, and when you've got a tricky winger up against you, sometimes he gets caught for pace, and um, that was the case a couple of times in the first half, and he committed one of his brilliantly cynical fouls, uh, got him a yellow, and then you were thinking a couple of times players went round him since, and he maybe had a little bit of a tug or was tempted to, and you were just thinking, oh, no, don't get sent off. In contrast, Gitto, his second half performance was resolute and, 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 and strong, and whether um, it was commentary not taking advantage of his situation, or, or I'd rather praise him, for uh, getting back to what he does best, and that is being an out-and-out defender and um, and playing his way out of trouble as, as as all of the Swans defenders do now. Yeah, I think a couple of things changed in the second half. I think he got a little bit more protection from from his teammates. I think he was playing a little bit more centrally. Wasn't kind of leaving himself in those one-on-one positions in space where you know that that is his major weakness. Um, no doubt about it. He, he doesn't have the pace to compete in those kind of areas and. We saw again, as soon as somebody goes past him, he's going to be dragging them down or you know, body slamming them. Um, you know, to Brilliant. The I, I, as much as I should really hate it, I, I think we need one every game from him. It just makes my day. <laughs> Not even an attempt for the ball, was there? It's one of those things. If if the opposition player does that, you'd be screaming like you know. It's it's not up. a yellow. It's, it's not a red. It's an orange, isn't it? It's, it's so cynical. I mean, it's like he he makes sure it's extra cynical. My sister um, was standing next to me in the game, and she was like, "He doesn't even try to hide them. He's just no. like it's, there's no attempt to be discreet. He's like, ref, I'm going to take a yellow card, and I'm going to make it worth my while. I'm going to make, I'm going to hurt this guy." You know, it's just, yeah. it's it's old school. Um, and um, it kind of, you know, he accepts it. I guess, I guess it's a strength of his that he knows his weaknesses. He accepts them and he doesn't try to compensate for them. He, he just accepts, yeah, I'm going to take the yellow card and then going to have to be careful for the rest of the game. But at halftime, I, I, I was really unsure whether we'd see Ryan Bennett last the full 90. But um, fair play to him. Um, just a little bit more conservative second half. Um, stayed a bit more centrally, and um, you know put in a really good shift and, and played his part in in keeping Coventry out in the second half. Yeah, I mean there was. Um, I think it's credit to the Swans as well of how we limited the Coventry to a few half chances and nothing clear cut in the second half, and. Um, of the uh, 800 or 850 odd fans that went, as, as you've alluded to, Gitto, you were uh, one of them in that away end last night. Um, I mean, it was breathless watching it on TV. I can't imagine what it was like in the stadium. What was the atmosphere like? What was the buzz like? At the moment, everything feels like a massive buzz to do with the Swans. Uh, it must have been a little bit special there last night, particularly at the end. Oh yeah, I mean it says a lot that on a you know cold Tuesday night in Coventry you had more than eight hundred Swansea fans there. Um, you know it's it's not it's not the furthest away trip. It's not the easiest place to get to either. And you know there's no trains going at that time. Of course, it's you know it's a big commitment for people to go and to get that many people there. I think it says a lot about the buzz around the club at the moment. People are excited i was you know i booked it late on sunday i was thinking oh do i do i really want to drive up to coventry on a tuesday night etc don't usually go to midweek away games but then thought oh come on you know swans are playing well playing against one of the best teams in the division let's go for it 
and I didn't regret it. And the, the atmosphere was fantastic. And fair play, the Coventry fans played their part. I think, you know, the stadium was was half full. Um, they, they still managed to create a bit of noise and we were creating our noise as well. Um, but, um, you know, it was, it was a bit tense at times. But when that final whistle came, I think people understood it was um, it was a big win, really. You know, this is a team that had dropped two points at home all season. Um you know they they they'd beaten Fulham at home four one not not long before, and we've gone there and and matched them and you know taken three points off of them. I, I thought it was a really impressive result and a really impressive performance. It it sounded great. I mean, there was a period after the after the um the McFadden head header after over twenty seven minutes. There was a period of about ten minutes there. <clears throat> Excuse me, um, whereby you could hear the crowd, it's the home crowd, um, and and you could only translate what I was hearing as a sense of like a real feeling that they were going to come back into it, and that was probably my most panicked at that point because they had having seen such a phenomenal run at the home, the the crowd genuinely believed and 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 sounded like they were making uh, quite a racket for that period of time and. Um, and that was the, probably the time in the game where I was probably most nervous about us not going to win the game. If you'd offered me a point at half-time, I might have still taken it. Because as you said, Gitto, it was still anyone's game, even at half-time when we were leading, you didn't know who was going to win it. So um, when we were talking about it last week on this podcast, I think I, I, think I said we'd uh, get a point. Um, but hope rather not expectancy because we were uh, coming up against a team that were very, very good on their own turf. So um, after what's been an incredible start of the season for them as well, uh, Steve, is there is there anyone in particular you thought stood out more than more than the rest, or was it just an all round good team performance? I think it would be unfair to say anyone played badly as such. I mean, thought on Cham was was really good again. I mean, as you say. Led played his part well for that um, second goal. I mean, you know, I think defensively we were like that's why we deserve credit as well. I mean, Hamer got the mention, didn't he? I think Hamer did do really well. Although I have said obviously that for the goal, I thought you know, maybe he was a little bit frustrated by that. But as you said, I mean, there was such a coolness to him, wasn't there? When he was especially that one where he came out ahead of it. So I, I don't think anyone played badly, and I think that the, the good thing that was. Um, I think this manager does seem to know what his best team is and obviously yeah. didn't make any changes for it. And um, I think that's, that's it's probably only about now that he's, he can honestly say what he thinks his best team is. I think he's been on the cusp of it for a few weeks, but obviously the likes of Uncham were, were injured, so that didn't give him the opportunity to, to play it. But I, I think that, other than probably Downs when he's fit coming in for Smith, I think he does know his best team, and that's that's got to be a good thing. Um, it's coincided with us getting results, isn't it? Absolutely, and crucially, I think, um, depending on how Oberfermi kicks on, get or potentially here, we've got the entire spine of the team here, which is um, interchangeable with quality. As Steve just mentioned, there Downs waiting in the wings with a couple of others as well. Uh, you know through the fault of Corey Smith's fantastic form playing in that uh, holding midfielder. Actually, can we make a special mention for Corey Smith at this point? Yes, absolutely. Um, because I think he deserves it on recent performances. Uh, I, I just, I, you know, uh, 
Flynn Downs, in fairness to him, has, has been unbelievable since he arrived here. Brilliant in that holding role. And then suddenly, you know, he's out for, for a bit and Corey Smith comes in and does as good a job, if not better. Um, you know, he's um, he's he's been fantastic. Um, just, you know, that that is Smith's natural position. I think in the games before that, we'd seen him playing further up the pitch. Don't really think he, he's as effective up there. It doesn't look as comfortable, you know, but when you put him just in front of a defence and ask him to protect protect that back five. I mean, just brilliant. He's, he's a fantastic footballer, keeps the ball really well, loves a tackle, reads the game brilliantly, has so much experience. You can see that experience in his game. He is brilliant. And what you were saying there about, you know, the the the, the, the settled nature of the team, I'm feeling a bit sorry at the moment for players like, say, Flynn Downs, um, Ben Cabango, Michael Obafemi, who've not done much wrong, it has to be said, this season. Um, and you're like, okay, but where do they come in? I mean, maybe Downs is going to be swapping with um, um, with, with with Smith um, at at some point. But you know, with with Obafemi, unless Piru and Patterson stop stop scoring, um, then he's not going to be starting games anytime soon. And he's a you know he has the potential to be a really good striker at this level. Ben Cabango, I think, has looked really good whenever he's played recently, but Ryan Manning is playing really, really well at the moment. And against a team like Coventry, his mobility, you know, helps us deal with those kind of runs from deep that they've got. Um, so are you just thinking, well, when's Cabango going to get his shot? And it's it's ridiculous that a player of Cabango's quality is being left on the bench. But that's the situation we're in at the moment. And we've got certain players who are going to struggle to force themselves into the starting lineup, not through any fault of their own, but just because... The start, the starting eleven is doing so well at the moment. There aren't going to be that many opportunities to 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 push them out. Yeah, and and I suppose a manager would say, Steve, that uh, is a nice problem to have. You know, Corey Smith knows he can't have a quiet game because he's got Flint Downs chomping at the bit. Players, you from what you see and read and hear, they want to be involved in times like this when the going's good. And the buzz is there and training is electric and the players are having a laugh and you can see it on the pitch. They're playing with a smile on their face. That's when they want to be on the pitch. You know, there's probably times towards the end of our Premier League reign where you could physically see on the pitch that a lot of those players didn't want to be out there. Um, Probably a lack of professionalism in that as well. But it's also, you know, the confidence is gone. They didn't believe, they didn't really enjoy the football. But what you see at the moment, all those players on the bench are itching to get on that pitch and it really keeps up the the standards of what's going on on the pitch you can't really afford to have an off day yeah absolutely i mean competition for places is always a a good thing isn't it i mean and we, we've highlighted it there now i mean like i said I, I think downs for smith is probably our best team but smith has been playing very well so there's no guarantee that downs is going to get back in the team and that's that can only be um a good thing isn't it and then you mentioned Oberfemi as well there and, and likes of cabango who haven't let us down when they played but I mean, it's difficult for, for a lot of players at the moment because the ones that are in the team are performing well. So it's going to be difficult for them to get in. But at the same time, those ones that are in there do have the pressure of thinking, well, if, if I've got someone knocking on the door behind me, um, I'm going to have to keep playing well. So I mean, it can only be a good thing for this club, um, I would say. I mean, I still think we need uh, you know players in you know a couple of positions in January just to have that little bit more competition. But 
you know, it's it's massively encouraging at the moment, isn't it? I think everyone's just got a bit of a buzz again about uh, about going down there because you can just feel that we're on this right track. Yeah, um, if we are going to look at those positions, Gitto, I think the the two glaring ones everyone will point to are the the the, the wing back positions, uh, where you've got um, Bidwell uh, without real competition unless you uh, are looking to move Cal Norton, the ever present utility man. But I genuinely think. Cal Norton has found a home at the centre of that three as the ball playing centre back who brings it out and uh, is just wowing me week on week. Um, so I'd hate to see him moved out to a, a you know fill a gap position. And and Ethan Laird on the other side. Um, I think the latter body air experiment as a wing back is probably one that's not going to work. Um, through no fault of his own, I just don't think he's got the qualities to play that position. But um, in comparison as well to what he's coming up against in competition-wise, uh, so those two positions maybe are the the two glaring ones for me that uh, that, that that would need addressing in January. Yeah, I I think so. Just to get depth, really. I mean, Bidwell's doing well. At, you know, if I'm being honest, the only thing he's lacking in his game at the moment is speed. Um, you know, he can't do anything about that. But if he had any kind of speed, he'd be deadly. Um, you know, um, and Ethan Led has been fantastic. The only thing I worry about him is that he does seem to get tired quite quickly. We saw, you know, after two difficult, after two, you know, hundred percent performances against Cardiff and West Brom, he um, he looked very tired against Birmingham um, in the same week. And then I think, you know, last last night, second half, he wasn't as explosive. He was playing more for fouls rather than trying to take on players and. And, and beat them and create stuff. So I'm just wondering, are we going to want a sec- a plan B there just to give him a break every now and again? He's clearly an outstanding player, but just we, I think we're going to have to manage his fitness. And it's just unfortunate at the moment that we don't have anybody really in his position who can do that. And we're relying on somebody like Latibaudier to play out the position. So I, for me, that's the main priority when we come to January is finding somebody that we can just slot in there when Ethan Led is getting a bit tired, just to help manage his fitness man- and make sure that we get the best of him throughout the entire season and that he doesn't, you know, exhaust himself in the second half of the campaign. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, like I say, most of the problems that Russell Martin has at the moment are good ones, Steve. I mean, the the, the, the options and the, the, the way the players are playing. Um, we were talking before we started recording about how we were almost banging the drum of patience, patience, patience. And I guess halftime at Luton was probably the moment, if you like, where that was needed most. Um, a lot of people at that point uh, in the uh, in the concourse and uh, down by the bar were really um, irritated. And a lot were, were saying that Russell Martin experiment's done and he needs to go, which is... You know, was premature at best, and it's been proved to be foolhardy now, of course. But I mean, it's easy for me to say that, uh, you know, at, at this at this juncture. But also, I think from our perspective, even though we were massive advocates of going this way, we didn't expect it to come and click this quickly, did we? I was thinking Christmas time maybe, but this is we're ahead of schedule for me. Oh, we're definitely ahead of schedule. I would say. I mean. You know, I think we all thought we'd pick up after that first international break. It was always going to be a tough start because pointed a manager a few days before the season starts, changed a lot of players. You know, I think whoever came in was given a hospital pass, really. Um, so, 
Yeah, I mean, I think the, the big thing was, especially after that, you know, in, that, in between the, the first and the second international break, was you could see we'd improved, but it was scary how, how much of a goal threat we, we didn't have, wasn't it? I think that was the, the big issue where we played Hull and we played Millwall. We had a lot of chances, couldn't find a goal. And then, as you say, we went from there to Luton 3 0 down, and you're thinking, oh, God, this is, you know, this really is going to be a bit of an uphill battle now, and it's going to maybe take longer than we thought. But, you know, that, that probably was the, a bit of a turning point for us. And, you know, I think certainly since the last international break, obviously we played Cardiff, we scored three against them, two against West Brom. And then, if we were honest, we were poor at Birmingham. We still managed to find the net. And now we scored three at, against Peterborough and two against Coventry. So that's been the big change, really. I mean, if you look at it, that's, that's what, that's 11 goals in the last five games. It's it's a big turnaround. We're, we now look so much better. I mean, I don't know how many goals we'd had before that, but... I bet it was a lot less than than eleven in the the amount of games that we had really. So it's yeah, we're, we're definitely ahead of schedule. It's it's really encouraging. I mean, if if we carry on in this uh, being a form, then I think soon we might be talking about a, a, like a genuine playoff push rather than you know what we were probably expecting more was comfortable mid table. But you know things are looking good at the moment. So it's uh, yeah, it's, it's really encouraging, and uh, you've got to say that. You know, if this manager has been appointed earlier, which he should have been, rather than the previous one lingering on for a couple of weeks, maybe we'd be even higher. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here, Gitto, um, and, 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 and suggest that uh, when we had that difficult start, which uh, we all expected to have, whatever, did have a, a, a sense of um, a get-out-of-jail-free card, which was completely warranted, don't get me wrong, but it was a little bit of a an, an opportunity for Russell Martin to say, look, you know, I didn't have this preseason, and to use that as a motivational tool, which I think has played really well for us in the sense of he's able to say, right, okay, when I've got a chance, and you can see every time we've had an international break, we have we aren't blessed with twenty plus internationals in our squad anymore, and so they've got genuine time on the training ground. They're not going away all over the world, so. When you see that come back after an international break, we used to absolutely be terrified <laughs> of international breaks, didn't we? Because you just knew when everyone came back, they would be shambles for a week afterwards. Um, but now we just see a step up and step up. And we're only heading in one direction performance-wise. We, we seem to be getting better and better all the time. And um, I personally thought, Christmas time, but then we'd start seeing the results coming from the performances, and then we'd climb up from the lower reaches, and we'd finish about between twelfth and fifteenth, and then next year as would be the year. But as Steve said, I mean, the way we're going, and it's it's very early days, but the way we're improving week on week, and it's visible for everyone to see, it's really encouraging. I mean, we're four points off playoffs as it stands. And even without the preseason here, there's nothing to say that we that early start is going to cost us. There's still 21 games left, and uh, we're right up there on the form table as it stands. The thing with the championship is, you know, teams apart from the very top teams. I mean, we're going to be talking about Bournemouth in a bit now, and I'm I'll be watching Fulham tonight, and they're winning six 0 against Blackburn, and look absolutely immense. Um, apart from that, I think you know the. That there's not that much to split a lot of teams in this division, you know, and I think teams are going to go on good runs. They're going to go on runs where they draw points. And so, you know, a club like Swansea can have a bit of a slow start where we lose the f- three of our first five games. 
Um, but there's, you know, you, you're always going to get chances. The games come thick and fast. You're going to get chances to make up that gap. Um, and like you, I, I mean, I didn't expect us to develop as quickly um, as we have um, when you look back to where we were on the opening day of the season against Blackburn. I mean, if you told me that, what, two or three week, months later, we'd be playing the kind of football that we've seen against the likes of Cardiff, West Brom, Peterborough, and, and now um, at Coventry, I wouldn't have believed that that was possible. I mean, the, the, the transformation that was needed at that point, you know, the the level of improvement that was needed at that point to to bring us to that level just just seemed huge but but we've done it gradually but but very much you know clearly week on week we've we've been improving and it's again so much to encourage at the moment but one of the encouraging things is, is that i feel every single game we're seeing something new from the swans um you know there's there's something new that we hadn't seen before like for example the coventry game I think, you know, we saw um, some nice creative attacking play, but we also saw some really high-intensity defensive play, um, which the likes of which we probably hadn't seen before. And us holding on uh, against a team of that quality, playing that kind of football um, and, and managing to keep them quiet in the, in the second half, it was something new, really. Uh, and us having the energy to sustain that as well. So it feels like we're learning something every every week about this Swan squad, and you know, like you said, I you know we're we're going. I'm sure we're going to have bumps in the road. I'm sure you know there are going to be ups and downs, um, but the general trajectory um, is is amazingly positive. There's absolutely mm. no doubt about that, and that the credit for that goes to the players, but also to to Russell Martin, who really does seem to have something about him, doesn't he? Yeah, as a special manager, you can see that already. Um, just to jump back into the end of the Coventry game uh, briefly, Steve, um, I talked about the game management in the second half against Peterborough. The game management in the last five, ten minutes against Coventry might have even impressed me even more. Um, it was when they were really looking to press, to create, to thread those through balls and really put us under the caution. We were relying on Bennett clearing uh, from his six-yard line and just trying to get... We were still trying to play it out from the back, but we, they were finding um, a couple of gaps and trying to exploit. And then there was a three or four, five-minute period where they didn't touch the ball and we played with it around their half. And uh, I think at that point we killed the game. And and that game management was just awe. I was just in awe of it. It was utterly fantastic. That's the only way you can guarantee a team won't score against you is if they cannot get the ball off you. Well, absolutely. That's why I always advocate possession football because it is by far the best way to play. And for me, the most effective. Um, remember a couple of years back, I watched Man City play a Champions League game. Kyle Walker went in goal. I think they were playing Atalanta, actually. So I had to go and go for the last 10 minutes because of the red card. And I remember thinking, well, we're going to have a problem here. I mean, the Atalanta are going to be obviously trying to get a couple of shots in, testing, and they couldn't get the ball because City just completely dominated uh, possession. And you're thinking, well, that really does show you why this is the best way to play. So, yeah, I mean, as you say, I mean, at the end of that game, it's just really good to see us just, just keeping the ball and killing it, really. I mean, I mean, if, if you've got it, I mean, it's obvious, but I mean, the opposition can't score, can they? So, yeah, it's it's definitely the way to go. And it's examples like that really that show that, that is, that's why we should 
go on playing this way and why we want the Swansea way is to be our main philosophy, really. So, yeah, it's it was a really effective game management. And again, I mean, as Gitter was alluded to, really, we're showing different you know, assets to our game, you know, over the last few um, matches that we've played. So, you know, it, it just feels like we're getting better all the time and, and showing more strings to our bow, really. So, and that's always a sign of a good side. So, Gitto, if um, if West Brom was a shock win against one of the league's heavyweights uh, and would go down as one of the performances or results of the season... And Peterborough was a game of complete domination from start to finish, which would go down as one of the performances of the season. Where does Coventry rank, given their start of the season, their home form, the intensity the game was played, our management of it, and uh, the all-round picture? I, I put it up there. What do you think? It's right up there, but it's difficult to compare because there's such different performances. We're, we're playing so differently. I mean... You could put Cardiff in the mix there as well. I mean, that was a game that we really dominated and should have won by more than three goals and, you know, played with a real flair and, and panache. But, you know, it, it's difficult to compare that kind of performance with a game like Coventry where we took the took the lead very early on. Had a, you know, it was it was a really open game from start to finish. Both teams just going toe-to-toe. Um, nobody parking the bus like we saw against um, Cardiff and and even you know West Brom doing the same thing. Um, it, it was it was a totally different game, really. But again, we've shown that we can win playing different different teams who, who play different styles of football. And make no mistakes about. I mean, Coventry are a good team. We saw that in the way they played against us. Where you can see that in their record. Um, you know, I, th- I think their their final ball was lacking its usual quality. Um, fair enough, but. Um, other than that, I thought you know they they were really good, and to beat them is um, is a heck of an achievement. Um, and yeah, it, it's definitely up there among the best performances of the season. Whether it's the best, I'm not sure, but it's um, you know we're having a string of these performance now p- performances now where you know we just keep on impressing, keep on raising that bar. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if we're talking about those being. Um two, three, four of the top performances of the season so far. What an opportunity to for one to gazump them all. The uh, runaway leaders are next. It doesn't get any easier for the Swans. It's away. Uh, it's Bournemouth, Steve. Um, you're going up there, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going. You're, you're going. You're going to... They're their first game of the season, are they? They're, uh, it's an injury time and they're losing at home to Preston, which is uh, a bit of a surprise, really, isn't it? That's at the moment, is it? Yeah, that's in injury time. So they are they're on the brink, and I was thinking, well, uh, everything suggested for um, for Saturday really that a home win. I mean, our record against Bournemouth is shocking. Um, no win, I don't think, since October two thousand and seven. I know we haven't played them every year, but at the same time, I mean, we're closing in on double figures worth of games against them, where there's not been yeah. any wins, and there's been quite a few defeats in there. Um, so yeah, no, I, I think our last four visits to, to Bournemouth we've lost, so that that probably tells its own story. Um, and obviously the fact that they they're on this run of well that might be about to end. You're thinking well, you know everything suggests um, a home win, doesn't it? But um, the Swans do love to spring a surprise sometimes, so um, it'll be a, a, will be a difficult game. I think it'll be interesting test for us, I think, because. 
you know, we've got better all the time. I think obviously it was a great win last night, but I think this is a bit of a, a different kettle of fish. Really. We're, we're playing a side that, well, I think everybody expected before a ball was, was kicked that they'd, they'd be in the top six type of thing. And um, obviously the, the, the start they've had is, would have been better than they imagined. And, um, you know, it, this would be a, a tough one for us. I think if we, if we were to go there and impose our style, then we'd, we'd have to say, well, we're, we're, we'd have to say we're a very good side, really. But um, we'll uh, we'll wait and see. It'll be interesting to see how they, they bounce back if um, obviously they, they do end up losing, which we'll... Uh, I'm sure we'll have confirmed uh, very shortly. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, Jack Caspian right on the button, yeah, <laughs> as it happens. You know, when, by the time you listen to this, this will be old news, but of course, at the time for us now. Um, Gito, we seem to be every week talking about the Swans making a statement, making a statement, making a statement. Well, this this weekend is possibly the biggest, uh, well, it is definitely the biggest test, but the biggest opportunity to make a statement so far. And... Um, Wow, what a statement it would be. Do you think we could do it? I think it's going to be difficult. Uh, the one thing I'll say is, you know, if, if Preston can hold on, that would be a heck of a shock, um, beating them in Bournemouth as well. Um, and in fairness, I, I, you know, I saw a bit of their game against Reading last week. They didn't look as impressive as, as they have done. I watched them recently against Stoke and, and they really did look, you know, a very controlling side, just really... Getting good workman like, but but with a bit of you know with a bit of style to everything that they're doing. Um, but but it, there are maybe hints the tiredness is starting to kick in. It's quite a young squad. A lot of these players um, that they've got haven't played um, as much football as this before this season. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's clutching at straws. Um, I I think our big issue. I mean, confidence is going to be sky high with us. We've just won our second away game of the season, and that was, um, you know, at, at the te- at the team which previously had the best home record in the division. So we'll be full of confidence. I'm just wondering if we've got the energy levels to to compete against a team in Bournemouth who, you know, in many ways are like us. That they they like to control possession. They like to. Um, you know, they, they they don't rush anything, they don't go direct, they don't panic, they stick to their style of play. Um, I just wonder if we've got the the energy to go again against that kind of team. I think we have seen in recent weeks, you know, that third game in a week, it it you know, it it starts showing um by that point. Um and that's that's my one fear is that after such an intense game against Coventry, which really seem to take a lot out of them physically. Do they have the energy to go again at um, at Bournemouth on Saturday? But, you know, you can't help but get excited in the form that the Swans are in at the moment, and you can't help but feel that there is potential in this game. Well, it's, it's the fact that we can't say outright that this this might be just one to just, just talk off the list that is uh, most exciting. If you think Bournemouth are having a bad night, by the way, again, this is going to be nothing to the listeners, but between the three of us... Um, Blackwin have just lost 7-0 at home to Fulham. You know, Joe, you know I've been, I've been watching it while we've been recording and like Fulham I it's worth saying Blackburn were down to 10 men um from the end of the first half on but Fulham look absolutely immense and you're saying like runaway leaders in Bournemouth. I mean this is a statement from Fulham. They look mm. absolute quality. Blackburn were not- <coughs> It has to be said, but um, it does look when you look at the league table, it does look like Bournemouth and and Fulham in the in the early stage of this season they've been a cut above everybody else. I mean that I don't I think the rest of the league there isn't really much for 
separating West Brom in third with, you know, the teams right down the bottom end of mid-table. You know, there's there's not that much to separate them in the grand scheme of things. Um, but, but Fulham and Bournemouth do look a cut apart. It's mad, really. You think that um, Bournemouth being at home to lowly Preston, or sort of lower half Preston, I think that was a banker. And Fulham going away to um, mid-table Blackburn, you'd think, if anything, the results could have been reversed. Um, well, at this moment, Bournemouth are still playing, but they are losing to Preston. Oh, um, Full-time full now, so they have lost their first game of the season. Well, there we go. Uh, would have been they, they, it was five they, points they, before we started recording between the two, and um, could have well turned out to be eight had they, had, had they gone the way perhaps it might have done. But it's gone the opposite way. It's down to two. Um, so, yes, it's uh, certainly pressure. Is that a good thing, Steve? I mean, they're going to obviously first defeat of the season. They're going to want to get that out of their system now and, and kind of come back stronger. Um, but often as well, you, you you can see the opposite happen as well from time to time, can't you? I mean, you, you, you're suddenly not a fortress anymore and you're suddenly not impenetrable and uh, maybe a tiny bit of the gloss comes off. How do you take that defeat for Bournemouth? It's a bit of a, a funny one, I think, isn't it? Because, I mean, obviously, in, in, it's inevitable. They were never going to go a season unbeaten. And I guess at this point, and you're thinking, well, surely they're going to lose again soon. And obviously, now it has happened. Um, it's, it's tough. I mean, sometimes you a, a team will bounce back, won't they, and, and get a great result. Or it may induce a bit of a, a stumble for a couple of games. I mean, it's it, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, who, who honestly knows? It's uh, Football's such a funny game. I mean, as you say, I don't think anyone would have expected Preston to uh, to go there and win tonight. They're not a side that I think of. I've got a great deal about them. I mean, you, you, you do never know it, football, and, and that's that's the beauty of it, isn't it? I mean, you can be such experts on many things. I mean, obviously, Leicester will always be the greatest example, wouldn't it? There, there wasn't the same man on earth who ever thought they could do what they did but in 2016, but they did, and that's that's football, isn't it? It's uh, you know that, that's what makes it so special is you you never you just never quite know what what's going to happen. But um, yeah, it's you know Bournemouth. I think I probably handpick a team. If you take out the fact that we're playing well, well it probably would be us purely because we've, they've got such a good record on us to bounce back. But um, you know, we'll we'll see. It's it does make it a bit more interesting, really. They they have now lost, and you know, how will they approach this game? I mean, if it, in terms of if it's dented their confidence or not. Yeah, yeah. It's it's well while we're talking about the championship, uh, Cardiff have lost at home again, Gitto. Um, Honourable mention to their uh, bounce back ability under Steve Morrison. Um, he's uh, yeah, he's, he's got a point, uh, an unlikely point uh, in his first game, and they've lost tonight at home to QPR. So they are seven in a row at home now, Cardiff. Yeah, it's not. I mean, <laughs> there's, a, there's nothing else we can say, is there? Really? I mean, that's um, right there, you know. It's better than a lot of their recent results. Um, if um, Cardiff fans want any kind of consolation, um, but uh, yeah, I'm guessing that's um, that that's wiped away any kind of positivity they had after the comeback against Stoke. Yeah, I was actually kind of hoping they pick up a little bit so they'd give Steve Morrison the job. Um, but hey, no, never mind. Um, right, back to the Swans. Back to the Bournemouth game. We spoke about their result tonight. But of course, that shock result means, well, it could mean anything when it comes to the weekend. Um, 
ultimately, Steve, it's for me, I approach every game in the same mindset now, which is it really depends how we play as to our chances. I mean, for whether we credit Birmingham or, or whether we say that it was us, ultimately, we didn't turn up. We were we were tired, not just in our movements, but also our thoughts. The passes weren't crisp. They were there was a little bit of lazy lazy passing in the game as well. So there was a lot in that Birmingham game which you thought, nah, we're not at this. And we got the result perhaps that we deserved. Um, if we can keep, we talked about three games in a week and the difficulty of that, but if we can play anything like the levels we played at last night, um, then we'll give Bournemouth a game, won't we? Yeah, I, I think we will. And I mean, if I think the, the, the like the Cardiff West Brom, it was a bit different in terms of like, you know, we played Cardiff on the Sunday and Darby's always going to take it out of you. We did start slowly against West Brom, but then really encouragingly, we got better. And I think then literally the, the three and seven days did, did catch up with us. But I think this time, obviously, we, we did play a little bit earlier. And obviously the fact that Bournemouth now as well have played a day later than us. Mm. So that might, well, you, you would have thought that should be some sort of an advantage, but it certainly isn't a bad thing from our point of view. So I'm hoping that that Birmingham one is just a bit of a, a one-off, but you know, it, when you play three games in a week, it, it can be difficult, can't it? I mean, you know, the, there's a decision there for the managers in some ways, isn't there? He, he, as I said, I think he knows his best team, but is he going to look at it and think, right, well, you know, two or three fresh legs may just be what we need on this occasion, and that's what he's paid to do, isn't it? To to make the decision and uh, and see what he thinks is uh, best for us to get a result there. Yeah, I'm sure those decisions will be made on the training field and who's looking sharp and who's not, uh, Gitto. Um, but I'm sure, given the choice, given the strength uh, and the opportunity, uh, we'd, we'd play the same team again. I mean, we discussed earlier on, um, everyone's playing out of their skins at the moment, aren't they? And fully warrant another first team place. So uh, um, we hope that we can field as many of the same 11 as we have done the last two games. Yeah, as long as everybody's fit, you know. Um, when you look at our our current form, um, it, you know, it. Well, I'm just looking at the form table now. Swans are third in the form table, um, and um, only Fulham have scored more goals than us in our last six in the last six games, and only Bournemouth have conceded fewer goals than us. I mean, it's you know the the signs are also promising. Um, it's but it's just a question of do we. Do we have the the energy to go to somewhere like Bournemouth and and you know put in another performance? If we can play the way we have done in the last few games, um, I th- I think we'll have a chance. You know, um, I th- I think the quality that we're showing at the moment, um, and and the confidence that we've got in the team, um, then yeah, I, th- I think I think we've got a chance. And and you know that if we can therefore keep as many of the starters from the last two games. In the starting lineup for um, for Saturday, then then that would help. I mean, fitness is the only thing that that would see any changes. Um, I I would suggest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Steve, I think it's fair to say Bournemouth have got one of, if not the strongest squad in the division. Everyone expects them to be up there or thereabouts at the end. I think the best part about the Swans is the. Uh, the, the whole is, is 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 greater than the sum of its parts, isn't it? The way we're playing with these um, these free transfers that we've brought in, and uh, you know these low knees and stuff, and 
Huddersfield cast off that was the worst goalkeeper they'd ever seen and all of a sudden put them together with the right manager and a bit of time on the training field and uh, we're playing we're playing ahead of ourselves uh, we are really looking like a, a well well oiled machine at the moment oh yeah absolutely I mean if you want to talk about recruitment I mean you have to say it's been one of our, our best windows for a long time we, we've brought in a lot of good players and as you say some of them were were cast offs I mean Patterson probably being you know the, the best example of it really um you know it, it does just show you with with the right manager the right coaching um you know a lot of players w- will overachieve won't they i mean we were masters of that really when you think about it and, and around the time where we got first into the premier league there'd be so many players who if they look back on their careers they will say that you know that they played their best football at swansea and um i think that could well be true now for a lot of the players that we've got at the moment because there's a lot of players that are, are really excelling, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, right, let's come, come down to it then and uh, talk about scores. Uh, so this game is going to be, I, I, it's, it's, it's going to be a, a, a cracker. I'm sure it is. Um, and I'm not sure there's going to be many neutrals that would like to predict it either. If you just look at the form table, as you said, Gitto, then um, this isn't first versus 11th at all. This is two of currently the strongest teams in this division going at it. And uh, it should be a cracker. What do you think is going to happen? It's so tough to say, but I I do have a fear, I'll be honest, just seeing the work rate from, from the Swans up at Coventry. I do have a fear that it may be a, a case of Birmingham repeating itself and just us not having the... The, the energy to put in a 90 minute performance against, you know, one of the best teams in the division. Um, add to that the fact that we haven't beaten them in any of our last nine games. You know, they are a bogey team for us, Bournemouth, there's no doubt about that. Um, and I I struggle to see us winning this game. Um, if I'm being honest, I think it would be an amazing result if we did manage it. Um, and it's going to be a different test. You know, that it's another team that play you know it's another way of playing for Bournemouth that we're going to have to adapt to um to overcome um it's going to be a heck of a test like you said should be a great game but if I was to go for a prediction I'll I'll go for a 2-0 to Bournemouth okay and Steve uh you agreeing with Gitto there or you thinking something else um obviously as I said earlier I mean Bournemouth big bogey for us um they've been on this great run the same day tonight um still really say everything points to a home win so for that reason i'm going to say bournemouth one swansea two. <laughs> oh, i don't like it when you're positive steve that's the death is a nailed on bournemouth win now uh, <laughs> no i um i thought you'd be surprised i'm surprised normally you're the you're the uh, one that calls it back a bit and then uh pleasantly surprised on the weekend i just got just got a feeling that we must be doing a win over them if oh. These runs are there to be broken, aren't they? And uh, yeah, I've never felt as confident against Bournemouth at getting a result as a, as I do currently. And uh, as you say, it, again, look, it, Russell Martin is constantly learning. He's very young, inexperienced manager himself, and he will have learned a lot from that Birmingham game. He wouldn't have gone completely over his head there that we were tired, that the passes we were, were going astray, we were struggling to really impose ourselves. And he would have noticed the repeating pattern here of the three games in a week. And he would have noticed that we're playing the day before Bournemouth. So, just, you know, maybe he's got them in a nice ice bath today. No time at all on the training pitch. And just a full-on 
recovery day, maybe even like two recovery days, just to really give the legs a chance to um, to to get back to fitness uh, after seeing what happened last time we played three in a week. So, um, you you know, the man is a football scholar, so you, you can put it right there that he's going to have noticed the pattern and uh, looking to address it so we don't suffer the same fate. And um, I just think it's going to be a great game. And we dominate the ball, as we always do. And I think that we're going to really push ourselves on Bournemouth. Um, the question mark is whether we can... Um, well, there's a question mark in every game, really, is if we can turn that, that, that possession into goals. And uh, I'm going to say that this will be a very well-earned one-all draw and that may still go down as the result of the season for us if we do get it and uh, another statement made but uh, Steve I'm, I'm for the first time in a long long time I'm hoping you're right on the predictions I can't remember the last time I said that to be honest with you I can't um, remember the last time that we had a win a draw and a loss predicted yeah 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 well someone's got to be right yeah well, it's, it's normally not me, so... <laughs> I think my prediction, I'm pretty sure, I don't think we've been keeping tabs on, um, you know, who who's where in the prediction league, but I'm pretty sure I'd be rock bottom. Like, I think, I think <laughs> well, I'd I've actually really done all right well, the last couple of weeks. Bottom. I think I've predicted uh, a few of them. I've, I've been pretty shocking in my predictions this season, um, as I, I always that continue. But yeah, I'm hoping I'm wrong again on Saturday. Absolutely. Uh, we'll see. Um, we're probably going to take a week off next week because it's international break. Um, be back the week after for the game where we return to against Blackpool at the Swansea.com stadium. Um, join us then for that. Hope you enjoyed tonight's podcast. Drop us a tweet on Twitter and uh, we'll uh, chat to you in a couple of weeks. But from myself, Gitto and Steve, thanks for listening. Bye bye.